Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. BDPAI Radio. Linking business, education, and technology. The BDPAI Radio Show creates a vibrant communications platform that speaks to all BDPA stakeholders. Hosted by Fran McNeil. Sponsored by the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation and the BTF Executive Director, Wayne Hicks. Produced by Michelle F. Ortman. Online chat coordinated by Everaldo Gallimore. Technical advice by John Melanson. BDPA iRadio broadcast the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. Join us on www.blogtalkradio.com slash BDPA. Well, welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Fran McNeil, and tonight is Tuesday. Tennessee. Our second guest is Dr. Donna Grant, and she is Assistant Professor of Computer Information Systems in North Carolina Central University. And our third guest is Coram Rhymes, and he is Director of BDPA North Region. And tonight's show will also be co-hosted by Everaldo Gallimore, who is a member of BDPA New York Chapter. I'd like to first start off by reading some excerpts of Mr. Kendall Norris's bio. Kendall joined Deloitte Services Information Technology Services Program Management Office as the U.S. leader accountable for the successful delivery of information technology products in in support of Deloitte's core business, audit, consulting, financial advisory, and tax services, and the Chief Technology Office. As a leader of the Project Management Center of Excellence, he leads a team of project management professionals in the U.S. and India, and he adds value to the organization by continually improving service delivery on U.S. and global enterprise application development and infrastructure programs. Kendall is also a member of the Information Technology Senior Management Forum, ITSMF, And earlier this year, Kendall accepted a leadership role as the president of BDPA Middle Tennessee Chapter. BDPA is really very, very fortunate to have Mr. Kendall Norris, um, a man with executive leadership experience, leading that chapter. So, Kendall, we really look forward to your comments tonight. Thank you so much for being part of the show and I am going to have Everaldo officially welcome you to the show and kick off your interview.
Okay, thank okay. you, Fran. That sounds great. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm just ecstatic and, and, and very excited to be here. Well, great. Well, you know, Kendall, we often start the show off with a, a very basic question, and I'm always amazed at the variety of answers. So I'm going to ask you, what attracted you to BDPA way back in the beginning? <laughs> um, I would love to hear some of the variety in those answers. But mine is I first was introduced to the organization, I believe it was in the year 2002 or 2003. I had worked in technology for about 10 years or so up to then and just really hadn't been involved with BDPA but kind of knew of the organization. And I became a member as a result of a corporate sponsorship. I was working with EDS at the time, and they are a very uh, generous sponsor to BEPA, a huge proponent of the organization's mission. But what actually keeps me attracted today is exactly that, the organization's mission. It's a, it's a great place. It's a safe environment for people that uh, look like me and are in technology in order to develop themselves professionally, uh, network with other professionals, uh, serve their communities in in which they live. So it's those things that really keep me involved and interested in making sure that I do my part to keep the organization viable. It's uh, one of very few that um, is specifically designed for technology professionals to also, you know, give back to the youth that are interested in um, technology careers. And I think it's always very important uh, when we've achieved any level of success to try and give back. BDPA provides a wonderful framework to do that, as well as uh, gaining leadership experience for free. All you have to do is volunteer and raise your hand, and there's a place for you in most chapters where you could actually lead what the organization is going to do next. And that's invaluable experience that executives look for. So those are some of the things that keep me involved today. Oh, and and thank you so much for sharing that. And I think uh, a soundbite, I like that soundbite, where you can get leadership experience for free. You know, I mean, there are management and leadership programs that charge thousands and thousands of dollars to help people gain the skills that, as you said, all you have to do is volunteer in BDPA, and you can be on the path of leadership, and you can help, you know, direct where the organization is going to go. So that is a pretty exciting opportunity. Absolutely true. So speaking of leadership and lessons learned, um, I'm wondering if you could kind of take a step back and as it relates to your responsibilities as a leader of the Project Management Center of Excellence, which is a wonderful, you know, just sounds like a wonderful organization, what are three key lessons that you've taken away um, from that experience? 
and that might be applicable for our listeners? Well, that's interesting the way you you put it there at the end. You mentioned uh, previously that I started with Deloitte in September of 2010. So I have not been with Deloitte very long. And some folks may not know that, you know, Deloitte was always the the fourth of the big four. And today the organization is 175,000 strong and over 150 countries and is the number one professional services firm in the world. A lot of people are aware of the Deloitte brand and understand the um, the expectation of excellence in the services that we bring to our customers. So the three things that I have learned in Deloitte working in our, uh, we were called the Project Manager Center of Excellence. Most folks know us by PMO. But one of the things that I learned first and foremost from the first day that I began with Deloitte, even before during the onboarding process, was that if an organization is designed, embraces, and lives the principles that they write down on paper, then that's what they will be. And that's what Deloitte is. And when you take that personally and apply that to yourself, then truly you understand that the sky is the limit. So that's the first and foremost thing, just in general, that has nothing to do with my position and the work that I've done in the um, almost two years now. Um, One of the second things that I've learned uh, specifically to the project management uh, profession, IT project management profession, and in in many different roles, uh, it all boils down in IT to the projects that you do because technology is constantly changing. And when you join an organization like Deloitte and are brought in in a leadership position and the organization is already pretty much uh, as mature as most PMOs uh, get to become because most PMOs are absorbed by other organizations uh, and they have to battle for their existence. But at Deloitte, we have a, a CIO that is a firm believer in the value that PMOs bring to an IT organization, and that's one. It's a it's a big part of why our IT organization is is lauded so much within Deloitte because we do a lot of very good work every single day because of the uh, special professionals that we hire in our organization. But I had this is the first opportunity that I have been in. Particularly um, when I've been directly involved with um, owning or or managing or directing a project management office 
it was usually either starting the organization or early in the early stages of the organization's maturity. And here at Deloitte, um, we have uh, a huge percentage of our project managers are uh, PMP certified and professionals in their field for quite a number of years. So this organization was a little bit further along on the maturity continuum. So for me, one of the things that I learned, um, the second one that I learned is how to take an organization and determine how you are going to move them to the next level in an organization that strives for excellence each and every day. And that is a significant challenge that, you know, as professionals, whatever level you are in an organization, you are striving to do something more than usually the person that's driving in the car next to you is. And so doing that at Deloitte, taking a semi-mature organization and just having fun, moving it along on that continuum and really putting some of those strategies in place that changes the way an organization operates, is branded, is looked upon, and is valued. Um, that was uh, uh, that has been a wonderful journey for me, and I think the lesson to those listeners that are out there today is embrace that, look for those, push yourself to be the best of the best. And some of those uh, textbooks that we have read and business cases and things like that, the the, the stuff that is is written about can actually be done by you. And the third lesson that I learned um, is, you know, some of us work for ourselves, some of us work for corporations, some of us work for both. Surrounding yourself and being selective about the people that you employ, work with, retain, attempt to retain, the, the people that you build your team with is incredibly important. We have a great team of folks at Deloitte, and it, it makes my job that much easier. And when you can take uh, a team to the next level and truly select the best of the best and give them an environment to thrive, they will. Wow. Wow. Well, I really appreciate you really going in depth about those three lessons and I'm sure that our listeners can relate those to experiences that they currently have. Now, I'd like to shift the focus a little uh, bit more. And as I was reviewing your bio, I mentioned the fact that you're a member of ITFMS. And that certainly is a leadership organization in and of itself. And I'm wondering how your association with ITSMS has been beneficial um, or played a role in your career growth? Um, my association with ITSMS has been very directly beneficial, not only to my career, but um, just my employment, I will say, and I have some tangible evidence to prove that. The last three jobs, 
that I got and one I actually didn't get, and I'll explain that very quickly, uh, came from directly from relationships that I made through ITFMS. Um, wow. Networking, networking, and networking. Um, I don't care if you're in the corporate world or you're an entrepreneur or strive to be an entrepreneur. is all important in business. Um, when I left EDS, it was time. EDS was acquired by HP. I had some health issues. I had a major surgery, and, and I just took a, 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 some time off that, that I needed for myself. It was in the downturn, and I ended up taking a little more time off than I expected. Had I known that the downturn was really that uh, that long, I didn't really expect to be unemployed as long as I was. I, my time my time horizon was a bit shorter than what it wound up being. But I was um, recruited and hired by an ITSMF member that I had grown to know and befriend over the years of us being involved with ITSMF. That opportunity didn't work out. The organization changed at the 11th hour, which kind of just added to the time span because I had stop the search, and we all know that once you get your search engine going and then you, you shut it down, take some time to build it back up. So that experience happened to me, but as soon as both of us were surprised by the organization not moving forward with the, it was a, it was a global position, the company was moving into a new direction and they wanted me to lead the effort. Uh, on this international endeavor, and then it changed at the last hour. My first call was to um, my family members in ITSMS, and within a month, uh, I was employed again. Mm. Um, it wasn't under the the best of circumstances. It was it was more of a lateral move, but. Um, we talked about that. We were are close enough and had developed a relationship over time to talk about that, that I would work in this position, but I was still looking for other opportunities, and that was the arrangement. And through another contact with ITSMF, I wound up here in Deloitte. So the last three positions are directly related to my involvement with ITSMF. That's just one aspect. So ITSMF, like BDPA, provides those that same list of opportunities uh, that I mentioned before. But again, for those that know ITSMF, that organization's mission is to helping us go from uh, whatever level you are today to the C level, and that is the focus of that organization. And the atmosphere that is built by the membership is uh, wonderful, and it has certainly added to my toolkit that I use every day in my goings and comings in the business world. Well, Kendall, I really appreciate you sharing that, and I you know, the conference, the national conference is coming up in August. That's an opportunity for BDPA members um, and sponsors to get together and share. And I know that the ITFMF um, 
has some meetings that are closed. And this year there are a number of opportunities for the entire membership to really network um, with ITSMS as well. So I, I think that if uh, listeners haven't put the national conference, which is being held in Baltimore this year, on their calendar, it's certainly an opportunity to meet individuals like yourself, to network with chapter leaders, um, to cheer on their chapter high school computer competition team, um, to see what college students are doing in the IT showcase, um, to see uh, exhibits, and uh, to see job opportunities at the career fair. It, it really, really is a great time. So I know that um, we are approaching the time for Wayne Hicks to get on the line and give us the BETF um, update. And I'm just wondering if you would just take a moment to briefly share with our listeners what your vision is for BDPA um, Middle Tennessee chapter. Not only sustainability, but thrivability, if you'll allow me to use that term. Um, we are revitalizing the BDPA chapter in Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee has a wealth of IT professionals that I think would benefit from the programs and opportunities of BDPA, but also contribute to advancing the mission of BDPA. So my vision for the organization is to build a thriving base of membership that is actively involved in not only all of the existing programs, but we expect to be an incubator for some new ideas and some new things to promote the mission of BDPA and help our youth that are interested in technology careers have a path, have mentors, have people that they can look up to, call on, and uh, help them along that road. Okay, well, that is, I, I don't, I, well, let me say, I don't think I've heard the thriveability, um, and I like that. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great thing. You know, when Wayne and I uh, got together and uh, John Melanson, we, you know, sort of said, how are we going to do this? Why are we going to do this? How does this fit into the overall BDPA kind of communication effort? Um, one of the thoughts was this was a place where people could directly hear from um, the membership from a variety of perspectives. And what I found is that uh, we've got the BDPA family, we've got the BDPA hub, and we now have um, the BDPA lexicon. <laughs> so I am going to add drivability to the lexicon. So thank you, Kendall, so much for um, being our first guest tonight and um, wish you continued success at Deloitte, continued success in your chapter, and uh, really appreciate, again, you, you sharing your leadership perspective and encouraging our listeners um, to leverage the fact that with BDPA, you can be a leader and get those leadership lessons for free. All you have to do is put your hand up and volunteer. So have a great evening, and I look forward to seeing you at the National Conference. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure being here. Thank you.
Well, um, we are waiting for Wayne Hicks to join us, and what we're going to do is move right along. Our next guest is Dr. Donna Grant. She is the Assistant Professor of Computer Information Systems at North Carolina Central University. Now, Dr. Donna Grant earned her Ph.D. from DePaul University, and she recently earned the NCCU Awards for Teaching Excellence. And uh, I'm going to have her share with us uh, how she found out about CDPA. But one of the things that I really like our listeners to be aware of is that there are very few African-American PhD graduates in the computer science field. And so we're going to really be listening for um, Dr. Grant's perspective about um, blacks advancing in com the computer uh, science arena and blacks really getting into the higher academic levels of the STEM-centric curriculum. So, Dr. Grant, welcome to BDPA iRadio Show. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing wonderful tonight. Thank you. Good. Thank you. Um, again, I'd, I'd like for you to share with our listeners, how did you originally get involved um, with BDPA? How did you learn about BDPA? And, and uh, I guess you're really not supposed to ask three questions in one. Um, I'll go for it. Uh, and, and what keeps you actively involved? You're a PhD, so I know that you can handle complex uh, sentences. So. <laughs> okay, I've been involved uh, with BDPA in a, a variety of roles, so it'll be interesting um, for me to tell you. First, back in the 70s, I know BDPA wasn't existing then, but I started my career back in the late 70s, and I was a programmer at Illinois Bell, and there weren't many women nor blacks in the IT profession back then. Um, I had many positions at Illinois Bell as a programmer, a database administrator, a manager, and a director. And as I climbed the corporate ladder, there were fewer and fewer people who looked like me. So this was very troubling. And when I heard about the BDPA Chicago chapter in the 90s, I was excited about the opportunity to network and discuss IT issues with people who look like me. It was important for my personal development and growth to be around other blacks and other women in the IT profession. Then, tw after 22 years in corporate, I left and returned back to school, as you said, and got my PhD in computer science. And while obtaining that PhD, I participated in the first IT showcase with Dr. Blimley in 2003. Oh, then after my receiving, <laughs> so And Dr. Blimley loves to tell that story because I go on, because I end up bringing students back to the IT showcase, but, but let me finish. So then I received my Ph.D. in 2007, and I moved to North Carolina as a professor in computer information systems at North Carolina Central University. And then I started participating in the North Carolina RTP uh, BDPA chapter, and I would bring BDPA members to my classroom. I had the former BDPA uh, local chapter president, uh, Rick Liggett, I'm sorry, on my advisory board, 
And then I would bring students to the monthly chapter meetings, and they participated as student reps. And then in 2009, I started bringing my students to the national conference to compete in the IT showcase. That same showcase I competed um, in six years prior. And my students won third place in 2009 and second place in 2011. So we've gone full circle (laughs) from me participating as an IT professional, as a student, and then bringing my students back and them actually winning in the IT showcase. So to summarize, (laughs) what keeps me active? Well, it kind of started as a personal thing for me, and now I'm involving my students and the future IT professionals, you know, in with BDPA networking. I also take them to ITSMF seminars and workshops, so I was glad to hear about that because they've met some of the CIOs at that same national conference where ITSMF is, too. So it's it's been a wonderful ride, and I continue, I will continue to be involved and a part of BDPA. I think it's a great organization. Oh, it's so good to hear you say that. And I, I just made a note here um, around full circle, and I'm I'm going to have a conversation with Wayne um, to see how many people do we have in that full circle club because I can think of at least three that I've interviewed um, and we're on our 23rd BDPA iRadio show. So okay. I, I, I think there's probably, I'm going to take a guess, probably 20. So I'm, I'm looking forward to um, seeing if we can document that. Mm-hmm. And my so, students love the conference. Oh, okay. Go on. Oh, the, co- the conference <laughs> is, is fantastic. It's fantastic. And that is one of the reasons that a lot of individuals as well as sponsors, uh, you know, contribute dollars to help high school students, you know, get to the conference, participate in the competition. Um, many corporations say, you know, yes, we're going to send um, key individuals within our organization as part of their professional development. Um, people mm-hmm. come to the conference as a way of reconnecting. Um, so it, it really is a pivotal experience. It, it really is. So yes, my students are always awed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that really fascinated me about your bio um, again is this it's a, a national issue around um, the small numbers of African-American Ph.D. uh, graduates in general, but then specifically in the computer science field. Um, I'm wondering if you could share with the audience what was your path towards obtaining a Ph.D. in computer science, particularly since, you know, you're really committed to exposing people to BDPA and IT early and making that mm-hmm. connection with people that are further along in the path, like CIOs. Well, first, let me give you one uh, bit of information that even shows um, more about the statistics on how few African-American Ph.D. students there are or Ph.D. graduates there are. I was the first in 2007 
to receive a Ph.D. in computer science from my university, the first African-American in 2007. And my school is huge. It has over 30,000 students. Okay. So, And then at that point, I looked at the statistics, and there were only 3% of the people getting PhDs who were black, and most of them were in education. So if you take how many were getting a Ph.D. in computer science, that's even fewer, and then a woman, black woman getting a Ph.D. in computer science, I'm probably a part of a percent at that time. So what what are the tips? What are, what are some of the things and recommendations I can give? I was thinking about three things that really kind of helped me kind of survive getting that Ph.D., and it was determination, dedication, and support. Now, the reason why I say determination is I had a hard time getting into the Ph.D. program. I don't do well on standardized tests as far as reading is concerned, but math, I'm off the charts. And so several of the schools, even Northwestern that I got my undergraduate degree, had a hard time bringing me in, said no. So what I did was I had to go back and get my master's degree to kind of prove in information systems a second master's degree to prove that I can do it. And then I learned all the faculty members and the professors, and they said, you know, after I had taken their classes in the master's program, they said, oh, yes, she'd be a good Ph.D. student. So determination is so key. It's such a key factor. Also, there's so many things going on in your life while you're doing this for five years, um, and you can't put your life on hold. So, for example, my father was dying um, of cancer and, and really never even made it to my graduation. And I was getting a divorce and all kinds of things that were going on, but you still have to stay focused on what you're doing. And if you were to tell me that I was going to write a 184-page dissertation, I would have laughed at you and said, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm used that to corporate. A lot of I did PowerPoint presentations. Okay. <laughs> and PowerPoint, you can have pictures. <laughs> right, and you can have pictures. <laughs> so that determination is very, very key. The next one is dedication. So you really have to want it because it changes your life so, so much. Like, for example, my salary before, you know, I quit my full-time job, my family thought I was absolutely crazy. So I quit my full-time job as a director at Illinois Bell, making way over six figures, you know, stock options, the whole bit, to zero, having no income coming in. Okay, so financially, emotionally, so you have to really be passionate about doing this, I also, in order to write my dissertation, I had to take myself, since I had two sons at the time, I had to get someone to come in and kind of help me so I could write my dissertation, and I left the state to do that. So that brings me to the third one is support. You really need to find support in a lot of different ways. Mine, I had emotional um, support that I needed to get financial, spiritual, you know, I was falling down sometimes and saying, you know what, I can't do this. And I always had somebody pulling me back up and saying, yes, you can, Donna. And I guess in the end it was 
my father's memory, like I said, he died right in the middle of me doing this, that really kind of pushed me to say, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get my Ph.D. Wow, what a moving story. And I, I really appreciate that you shared the real story, um, you know, the challenges with the reading, the challenges with life events. Um, and and helps it helps put it into perspective because I think many of our our members um, are pursuing different goals. It may be you know submitting that resume for the fiftieth time. Um, it mm-hmm. may be trying out for something and and think I can't do it. You know it's not going to work. Um, and as you said, it's determination, it's the dedication and the support, and it kind of ties back to. Um, something that Kendall said earlier in terms of the value of the relationships and the people that you surround yes. yourself with. Yes. yes. Yeah. And that's true. I had a study partner, Paula Loren, that we sat down at night and studied and asked each other questions. We had to take uh, three comprehensives, and they were seven hours apiece for each one. Oh so, goodness. you know, one day and then the next after six months, you take another one, and then after six months, you take another one in three different areas in computer science. Then I had internal um, mentors, Charles Sykes, who was always like cheerleader. Donna, you can do it. And it's so it it takes a whole community, you know, to kind of help you do that, I think. I couldn't do it alone. I didn't do it alone. And the last mm-hmm. thing I also want to say about that is people, you know, always say, you know, you're just smart. You know, that's like, no, I work very, very hard. <laughs> to be very, very smart. <laughs> you're smart because you worked hard and you're surrounded by people. I work very hard. Right. <laughs> it just doesn't, ding, you know, and just materialize. <laughs> oh, you mean there wasn't a, a PhD fairy, fairy godmother no. that, you know, waves their magic wand and... <laughs> Oh, and then the other thing is that I have made sure that I do is I help the people behind me. So there have been many, well, not many, but there have been several African Americans graduating with a Ph.D. in computer science behind me because I and still today. So that was, what, five years ago? I still have mm-hmm. some that I'm still working on and mentoring, telling them how to get fellowships, how to get um, grants, what to do as far as studying, how to do this. I'm still mentoring them because it's important to do that. It's important to reach back because right. someone helped me. Yeah. So. Well, you know, let's, let's build on that and talk a little bit about the NCCU Award for Teaching Excellence. And uh, the NCCU would, is, would be the North Carolina Central University um, but how did you, when did you get that award? Why do you think it was awarded to you? Why is it important to you? Give us some background. Sure. I got that award in the 2011-12 school year. Um, so I just got it not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's very rewarding and it's very humbling at the same time. And let me discuss that a little bit. I'll start about with the rewarding. The reason why it's rewarding is because I don't think I got it because of my teaching skills in the classroom. 
I got it because what I do outside the classroom, taking the students to the BDPA monthly meetings, and sometimes I actually drove them there because some of them don't have cars, taking them to the conference, working with them on getting internships, placements. I've gotten them internships at GE, SAS, IBM, Johnson & Johnson, City of Durham, Blue Cross Blue Shield. And this is not part of my job. But if we just teach them and we don't help them get internships and jobs, to me, what's the point? Mm -hmm. You know, so it's my whole student engagement that I got that teaching award, not because I stand up, you know, and do PowerPoint presentations and talk to them about project management or fundamentals or information systems. It's because what I do with them and for them outside the classroom. And it's also a holistic job to me. It's not just a teacher. Sometimes I'm a mentor. Sometimes they tell me much more information that I ever want to know about what's going on in their lives, but they need someone to talk to. And I, and I think that's the important role of being a professor, especially at a HBCU or anywhere. You, you have to do that balance between um, teaching them how to fish and handing them the fish. So it and it's it's a real fine line because you can't give them too much, but you got to give them some kind of support and some kind of nurturing. So I go back and forth with that saying. You know, no, there's no excuses of you turning in that work late. But let's talk about now, yes, you are failing, but now let's talk about how you get back on track. So I bring them in and I call them up. For example, one of my students, <laughs> one of my students um, is graduating, and he's been with me for four years. I'm his advisor. And I looked up his grade, his transcripts. They graduate um, on Saturday. And I said, what about that C? You know, you got all A's and B's and other classes. He said, Dr. Grant. I was like, what's going on with that C in that class? <laughs> so I, I think that's important to show them that there's somebody that's caring and kind of looking out for them, even, you know, separate from their families. So that's the rewarding part that, you know, I got it because I really try to do 150% outside of the classroom. And they appreciate it, too. The humbling part is because you're really making a difference in the lives of our youth and in the lives of our youth, I'm sorry. And you really must be careful with that responsibility. You know, um how you help them, when you help them, it really impacts their careers and their future. So and I don't take that lightly. So I think it's very humbling on the other side to get that award. Um, because I think it's important work that I do and that we do as far as professors and educators. Wow. Well, you know, Dr. Grant, we are actually running out of time. We have one additional guest, and I would like to invite you back another time to talk a little bit about um, the STEM-centric curriculum, um, and your research. So I am going to, in fact, save that for another time. I'm just going to ask you very briefly um, what remaining, uh, in the remaining sort of half minute, um, what final thought would you like to share with our audience? Well, a very good friend of mine, a very 
astute, intelligent man. Zach Lamell, matter of fact, he was the uh, chair of um, ITSMF, told me one time that teaching is not a career for me. It's my calling. And he was right. It's wonderful to be at a place where you know that you're at the right place and you know you're supposed to be here and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I just hope that everyone can find that place. And that's it. What a wonderful thought to leave everyone with. And, um, of course, being a BDPA advocate, um, you know, BDPA is a wonderful place for people to find themselves, to really leverage their strengths. And, Dr. Donna Grant, I want to thank you again for being a guest with us tonight. And I certainly will call you back and invite you to join us on another show. So please have a great evening and a good rest of the week, and I hope to see you in Baltimore. All right. Thank you very much, and you will. I'll be there. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Well, as... Goodbye. 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 As we as we round out and finish up the show, I'd like to um, read the bio of our final guest, And this is an edited version of um, our guest bio because this bio is very, very extensive. Um, Corin Rhines has over 35 years of corporate work experience with various roles in marketing and sales and technology and auditing, physical security, and information technology. And he has really had responsibilities at the supervisory level, the middle management level, and as a corporate officer. And over the last decade, he's been a director. He's worked for all sorts of organizations, including AT&T, Verizon, Bank of New York, Federal Reserve Bank of New York, TIAAACREF, and Prudential. So one of the reasons I'm sharing this is Part of the value of being a member of the BDPA family is you have access to individuals who really have walked um, on many, many paths. And uh, Coram is currently the director of BDPA North Region. He's had an extensive um, history with BDPA, and I'm going to let him share a little bit about that. And so, Coram, I'd like to welcome you to the BDPAI radio show. Thank you again for um, being our guest. And how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, and thank you for having me. Oh, sure. Sure. So I, I alluded very briefly to your long history with BDPA. So uh, take us back for a moment. What got you originally involved with BDPA, and, and what are some of the roles Um that you've uh, played within BDPA? Okay, well, I first got introduced to BDPA at, in 1995 at the National Conference, which was at that time was in Orlando, Florida, uh, at the airport at the Hyatt. And for me, I, I at the time, had been involved with IT um, since 1980, so about 15 years. And every time I went to conferences, I saw very few of us. So imagine going to a conference and seeing so many of us uh, and different roles, different levels, who, and people who actually were giving um, the presentations and the seminars, and just so much of a positive energy. I said, i, I got to get involved with this organization. So at the time, I was working in New York, and I joined the New York chapter, 
And uh, it was a very, you know, worthwhile and rewarding to me. And then later on I moved to New Jersey and I got involved with the New Jersey chapter. And I've had many roles from um, a chaperone for the students at the, at the conference, from a HSCC uh, High School Computer Club coordinator. Uh, I've been the um, vice president of, of the chapter. I've been the president of the chapter a few times. Uh, and this new role that was created last year, uh, they, on the regional uh, level, I've uh, assumed that position as the regional director, and uh, I have responsibility for about eight or nine chapters in the Northeast region, and I work along with the uh, regional um, vice president, um, Fred Smith. It's just been very fruitful for me, and as you get involved with the organization, you have longevity in the organization, you want that organization to thrive and to do well, and you want to put your best foot forward and bring um, any type of skills that you have to that uh, uh, organization so that uh, they can achieve the um, the best possible. And there's so many friends and people I've met in BDPA along the um, uh, along the way, and it's, it's, I look forward to each um, conference as it comes up. And I this year will be my 17th consecutive conference. I haven't missed one conference. And I always enjoy going to the conference. I've been I've been presenting for the I have presented at the conference on you know, eight different occasions. So um, I've kind of done a, a lot of different things, and it's been um, very fruitful for me, and hope hopefully fruitful for the organization as well. Wow, <laughs> seventeen conferences. There's probably a um, haven't missed a conference club. Do you have any no, idea I've... of how many people have made every single conference? Uh, Wayne Hicks on the mind right away, <laughs> and, and also our, <laughs> right. our, 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 our founder, um, uh, Mr. Earl Pace. I'm sure that he's been all the conference as well. Right, right. So we've we've probably I think we have probably ten, but I okay. I, I would agree with you. Those two would would definitely be part of that club. Right, um, right. Well, thank you again for you know all of the work that you've done within BDPA. And as you've mentioned, you know, being involved in BDPA um, is a volunteer opportunity, it's a leadership opportunity, it's an opportunity to advance your professional career, and you make friends um, and exactly. have fun. And, yeah, sure. and I, I remember seeing you at several conferences, you know, sitting at the table, talking with the students, taking them out to dinner. I mean, so you really get personally involved and um, even bring your family along. Um, to help, you know, support the, the BDPA chapter. Yeah, um, I'm working with my granddaughter, but she's a little young right now. She's yeah. only three and a half, so she's got a few more years before she can get involved. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. Over the years, I've seen the, the numbers, the uh, age involvement, you know, uh, decrease. So I believe that in the high school computer competition, I guess the um, youth conference, we had a seventh grader participate last year. So I love it that folks are are introducing young people to BDPA very, very early. So this is an exciting trend that I'm I'm sure will continue. That's a significant key. I mean, you need to get the students early enough and kind of get them on track and kind of get them in the mindset of learning some new ideas and some new concepts. And so you know, and, and the earlier you can get them and pique that interest, um, the more um, beneficial it will be for the student. Right, 
Right. I mean, you know, children are introduced to TV and video games fairly early. Why not BDPA? (laughs) They can learn how to build the games and design the chips and um, do the project management. So um, we we can get them on board early. Now, you have over 35 years of corporate work experience, and I'm wondering how has that you know, those experiences, how have those experiences um, influenced your leadership roles within BDPA? Well, one thing corporate has taught me is always to strive to do your best and be the best. Uh, so um, as I approach BDPA, that's some of the things I try to convey uh, to the people I interact with, but also particularly the students uh, as, you, as they're growing and developing, um, you know, with, you know, with, with themselves. But it also has allowed me to use my um, leadership skills. Um, and one thing about developing leadership skills, uh, you may do that um, um, in various different roles. But once you kind of obtain that, you can kind of build on that. And that's been very important for me um, to be able to expose that to the different roles that, that I have. So that's it's been um really um for me uh, an important thing and i i want to add sort of two other perspectives to the mix so we have the bdpa leadership legacy we have the corporate work experience and the variety of leadership roles um you're also a business owner, entrepreneur, and you've held public office. And I believe that you're one of the few BDPA members that have held public office. And um, so I'd like for you to talk a little bit about the public office and being a, a business owner and if anything new has happened on either of those two fronts for you lately. Okay, sure. I mean, 2000, I was elected to city council in the city of Orange, New Jersey, and I served that for uh, two terms, a total of eight years. And I have held various roles um, as a uh, council member from a, a chairperson of the finance committee and the budget committee to um, vice president and to president of the council. Um, and I also do all my own business for the past 26 years uh, as a personal tax and corporate income tax business. I service about 150 clients over 12, 12 states. So uh, during the, you know, the first part of the year, I'm really busy and pulling my hair out. But some way every year, I, I kind of get through, through it. But those two experiences um, uh, have taught me that you have to develop trust, and um, you have to also have um, be highly uh, ethical because people are looking for you uh, to do certain things. Uh, where in the city of Orange, you know, at the time we were, we were managing a $52 million budget, um, there all type of laws and ordinances that would come up that we would have to present and also have to have to vote on. So the, quality, uh, the very issues, for example, quality of life issues to other type of laws that people in the, in the city wanted you to be responsible for to make, make, the, make the right decision. And, you know, when people come to me to, to prepare their taxes and they leave, we can just see kind of the sigh of relief on their face that it's all done for for a year. And, you know, it's very it's a very personal type of business, and, you know, you really kind of 
uh, got to know what you're doing, and you have to do a lot of studying and uh, take a lot, a lot of courses. But also, you, you you have to be able to do the right thing, you know, for uh, the client based on the uh, letter of the law. So, and I kind of can sum up what I call the three C's: um, one mm. is communication, uh, co- co- collaboration, and cooperation. So, uh, as you move into um, the business or you move in politics, um, those those key things. Those are key things to keep in mind and to be able to develop and to be able to uh, incorporate as you work with the, with the people. And I'm just going to repeat those, communication, collaboration, and cooperation um, as three key skills to keep in mind um, and to actually use on a daily basis. Uh, yes. Because it makes a difference in in how effective you are um, as a leader and as a team player. Exactly. Wow. So let's shift back to BDPA. Um, you mentioned that in your current role as director of BDPA Northern Region, um, you're responsible for eight or nine chapters. What what's your vision? Um, given this this new role, your vision well, and your plan. I I think that it's important that we we we, we kind of come together with some of the common best practices, and it it may not work at once for all the for all the uh, different um, chapters, but I think you need to understand what are the best things and how they work, and 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 develop a role, a goal towards um, obtaining that. I mean. Um, there are a lot of things when you're involved with a chapter uh, on, on in a leadership role that you, you're trying to do, whether it's trying to build a team, whether it's trying to find corporate finances, whether it's trying to find members. Uh, and you and you got to understand the best way to kind of go, go about that. But more importantly, what you need to understand, in my opinion, is what kind of works both for, for everybody. So, I mean, you can't get a corporate sponsor uh, unless you understand what the corporation want to get to benefit the relationship. So when you when you when you kinda kinda understand what you have to give and what the, and what they need and fit those two together, I think you have a role for a uh, successful plan. But the um North region is, is a strong region. We have some, some really exciting chapters there. Uh we have some exciting um, people who 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 like to like like to work there. And we just want to be able to develop that blueprint and then also uh, once we do that successfully, is take that blueprint and to um, uh, share that with the other chapters throughout the, uh, the organization. Um, there's a bit of pressure on the on the Northeast region this year because we have a, a national conference in Baltimore, and then next year we also have a national conference in in, in um, Washington D.C. So we have two years um, back to back for the national conference. So we certainly want to uh, showcase the talent that we have in the chapters. As well as being able to, to um, showcase the various talents and um, that we that we have at, at um, BDPA. Mm. So I'm going to have you in the remaining minute just um, sort of do a ad hoc commercial for uh, for the national conference. It is coming up in August. It will be held in Baltimore. From your perspective. What's one of the top reasons that 
individuals should make sure that they are at the conference, their registration is paid, they're there every single day. In your mind, what's one of the top reasons? And I'm sure that there are 50 top reasons, but what's one of your favorites? Well, the location is a good location, is a great place. But just being around the excitement, being around the people, and you know, coming there with the students and the corporate sponsors and the career fair, and and to um, see the leadership team from BDPA, meet the founder, and to be able to understand more what the organization is about, and to also to get involved because no organization moves by itself; it moves with a group of people, and a group of people who are committed. So. Um, I, I challenge, I also empower people to come to the National Conference and dare to get involved and dare to make a difference and to really understand and be part of BBPA. I have for around 17 years, so you can give a few years. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I knew that you would be the right person to ask. In fact, there are a number of initiatives in the works and um, one of the things that we will be doing starting in June is we will be interviewing um, individual members from around the country and asking them to identify in 10 seconds or less why they are going to be at the conference. Um, so we are going to have a little bit of a comp competition and we're going to put together some um, spots so that those can be aired on uh, YouTube and, um, you know, we can encourage people to look at them from the different social media. So, um, Coram, thank you so much for taking time out of your very, very busy schedule. Um, a lot of people wear many hats, and you wear many, 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 many hats. So thank you again for the work that you do for BDPA. Um, thank you for attending all of the conferences and encouraging um, folks to be involved. So have a great evening, and I look forward to seeing you at the conference. Likewise, and thank you very much, friend. You have a great night. Thanks. Well, folks and listeners, we are about to wrap up our 23rd show of the BDPAI radio. Um, tonight is, of course, Tuesday. It's the second Tuesday of the month. It's May the 8th. And our next show will be on the fourth Tuesday of the month, which is May 22nd. I want to give a special thanks again to our guests, Kendall Norris, Dr. Donna Grant, and Coram Rhymes. I want to thank Wayne Hicks of the BETF, uh, BDPA Education and Technology Foundation, for his continuing support and leadership and um, next time he will provide us with a May update. I want to thank Everaldo Gallimore for working the switchboard and managing the chat tonight, and he's promised me that um, for our next show, he will be co-hosting with me on air. So have a great evening, everyone, and make sure that you set your clocks, your phones, alarms for the fourth Tuesday of the month at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for BDPA by radio. Have a great evening. BDPAI Radio showcases IT entrepreneurs, technology experts, computer science academics, and people with a passion for educating our young people 
in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. BDPA iRadio Show serves the BDPA members, sponsors, entrepreneurs, educational institutions, and the Black community. BDPA iRadio links business, education, and technology. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.